Hello. Hello. This is Joya Italiano. And this is Jeff Ekman. And welcome to No But That's a Thing. A podcast where we talk about the real science ideas that are contained in sci-fi movies. Yeah, neither of us are experts in any of these things, but we care about them and uh, we feel like we can make it interesting for you. So we Googled some stuff after watching a movie and here we go. Here we go. In front of the mic. Okay. Oh yeah, in front of the mic. All right. All right, here we go. We got it. Fucking Interstellar. It's a movie. It's a movie. <laughs> Written and directed by uh, Christopher Nolan. Nolan. It was actually based on a treatment done by Kip Thorne, who is a uh, gravitational astrophysicist, in the book that he wrote to go along with the movie called The Science of Interstellar. Uh, there's firm science, there's educated guesses, and then there's speculation. Mm-hmm. And the speculation kind of like jumps off from educated guesses that they have. And Mm -hmm. those are uh, steps into, you know, that's where you get lines like, love is a higher artifact of another dimension. (laughs) Right. Oh, man. (laughs) But yeah, at the end where we're like, love is the only thing that can just transcend dimensions (laughs) in time. We don't know that love can go (laughs) back in time. But I guess if there's anything that we should assume can, it would be love. It would be love. And gravity. Now, the, the reason that they think that gravity could go back in time gets into actual, some actual scientific ideas, but uh, love, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I mean, yes, a lot of people like it, but it's a little mixed, I think, because of that. It gets so heady, and it gets so like, yeah. holy shit, we're entering into some serious astrophysics, yeah. and then also kind of has that elevated, and like quoting Dylan, uh, yeah, Dylan Thomas, like, rage, rage against the dying of the we're, light. Oh, yeah, they <laughs> so keep dropping in that. that in. The idea that we shouldn't be focusing on NASA and going into space because we've got problems here on Earth. Mm-hmm. And so if it's happening soon into the future, they're all focused on, we got to solve this crop problem and deal with the problem here now right. and not worry about going into space. Whereas NASA is going, we're all fucked anyway. Uh, the planet is going to die. That's definitely going to happen eventually. Yeah. And as they say in the movie, mankind is born on Earth. We weren't meant to die here. Ah, yes. So, uh, yeah, with the cheesy, the cheese ball lines, there's definitely yeah. some good stuff. I mean, even early on, I think what was my favorite line? It was, or one of my favorite lines, it was, uh, "Science is about admitting what we don't know." I mean, and that's yes. been, the, you know, that's been the case for, for eons. Oh God, <laughs> right? that line is probably my favorite. Because sometimes, like, I get accused of just believing in science yeah. completely blindly, and like, oh well, science says that it's the case, and you know, well, why do you think that that's any more right than anything else? And the reason is that it's fundamentally built into science that they're admitting that they don't know and that it's only based on the best information that we have now. Absolutely. But, you know, people are arguing <laughs> well, with that. They're like, science is your God. You're like, no, no, no. It is the opposite. I mean, like, it's exactly the opposite. It's right. saying that we don't know what the fuck's going on. We exactly. just have evidence that's able to lead us to certain conclusions and that we had no fucking idea before. Now we know why the waves go in and out. You it, know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, I always felt like God is at the edge. God is the explanation for the unknown. And totally. It God of the gaps. It keeps getting pushed out and pushed out as we know more things. Right. And now it's gotten to the place of like intelligent design is the best you know, I, because you realize you're like, oh, we need to have a better argument than just like, oh, there's just a being up there, there's a spirit. Now it's like, well, if you labeled it, getting a little tangential here, but it's like, <laughs> basically, we we understand that science is about understand or admitting that you don't know certain things, and I think this movie it's nice because you explore all of these uh, abstract concepts. It's just 
hanging that on what is the most important thing to humans. And it's love. And so you're going to have... No argument there. (laughs) You know, it's a father's love of his daughter, and it it spans through time, Joya. And bless his heart, though, but that's the only thing is when there's that much dialogue, like... Oh gosh, the scene where where old little Matthew's just floating around and he's having all these discor- discoveries and he's like, oh, the, he's basically like the equivalent of being like Eureka. Like, it's difficult to uh, not. I forget well, exactly. When she what actually yells Eureka at the end of the movie and like throws all those fucking Did papers she off, the, yell she yells it twice. It's, it's no, she actually goes. <laughs> she she goes she goes and she runs up, grabs Topher Grace by the arm, like brings him to the edge right. of this place where like at the balcony of like where they're like building another ship and just yells you. Eureka! <laughs> and throws all the papers I over, totally and you see like these like that. construction workers like look up at her like, like what why is did, no, what I is she doing? And then she yells it again, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and then throws it off again. More papers. She has more. She Come only throws a few lady, of those papers lady. the first time, and then <laughs> has more to throw. <laughs> uh, okay, so I was yeah, I was being facetious with the Eureka, but apparently no, it happened not actually. once but twice. <laughs> <laughs> That's in the movie. But lady, come on. My push broom can only handle so much paper. Yeah, I love um, <laughs> Like, all those construction workers had to be like, what What are you fuck? doing, lady? Well, so the reasoning for all the plants are dying and all the different species are dying is uh, there's a couple of different scientific theories that Kip Thorne, the writer of mm-hmm. the thing uh, that I right, mentioned. Right, you've established it. <laughs> yeah. um, he... Like one of the main ideas is blight, which is a real like it's the cause of the Irish potato famine. That mm-hmm. you know, it's usually a fungus or it's a d- disease for a plant that becomes like an epidemic. And there's been a couple of these uh, throughout history. Like there was the Dutch elms disease, which came to my hometown in like the 60s. Oh, really? And so Dutch like elms? yeah, and it affects elm all elm trees. Okay. And so Elm Street, which used to have tons of elms on it, was there a nightmare? There, there is. The nightmare was all the elms died, and there are no more elms on Elm Street. Oh, no, it's a nightmare on Elm Street. Oh. Uh, wow. Yeah. So there isn't a single elm on Elm Street in oh. Manchester, New Hampshire, and it's because of Dutch elms disease. But this is the idea that like uh, something like that would be able to jump from one plant species to another mm-hmm. and continue on that track, which has is unlikely, and but it can theoretically happen. Something else is that all the bananas are dying. Are actively are actively dying. What? Because of the same thing, blight. Yeah. Well, it's this thing called Panama disease, oh. otherwise known as Fusarium wilt. Whoa. And it's affecting all of the bananas uh, right now, called the Cavendish banana. So it's already spread from Asia to Australia and Africa and the Middle East, and they're afraid that it's coming to Latin America. At least, like as of like a few months ago, they're really worried about this. Uh-huh. And if it does, all of the bananas are going to be gone. And the crazy thing is that this happened already in the 60s. The bananas that everybody used to eat in America were this other banana called Gros Michel. I think that's how it's pronounced. (laughs) Uh, That everybody says was like a way more delicious banana. And it completely died. And they, we've never, none of us have ever had like a proper banana. So it's all, is it like... GMO banana? Like they, no, like they switched to another species of banana that's like really similar, but apparently tastes way shittier, called the Cavendish banana. That seems like such a subjective. Like, 
That's what they said. They said it was. It didn't taste as good. They said, like what I read was inferior product. But the point is, like, I'm never gonna know. Well, none right. of us get to ever try one of these gross Michelle bananas. Gross Michelle. We're all eating Cavendish bananas, which apparently well, it are- makes me wonder. Like, what about it would be so much better? Is it sweeter? Is it because to me a banana is already fucking sweet? Like, right. I can't imagine a banana any other way. How do you improve? But that's what I mean. I want to know what it what it is, and I, I'll never get You'll the chance. Never. Because no. they're all dead. That's fucked up. Well, okay, so it's interesting that you're talking about blight because I was uh, talking about, I was looking at like food shortages mostly as a result of uh, water shortage. Um, there was this study that was published actually in Oct- October 11th where, where these scientists were doing um, <clears throat> experiments on these particular plants to try to figure out like how these plants deal with water shortages because obviously a plant, when there's different environmental issues, can't relocate, so they have to be able to man. They can't pack their bags. Yeah, they can't be like, fuck this. (laughs) I'm pulling up my roots. I'm getting out of here. Isn't that a phrase of like, I'm pulling up roots? Yeah. To get the fuck out? Yeah. Wow. So literally, figuratively and literally. Anyway, so this was put on by a team of researchers from the Flanders Institute of Biotechnology and uh, Ghent University. And so it basically was, it provided some insights into how plants cope with water limiting conditions so that we can start to develop these either heat or drought resistant seeds. Because that's what I was sort of thinking of. I know that we're, we're going to be talking about like wormholes and all of the crazy space shit. But to me, I was so interested in like, oh yeah, like the we death might, of the planet. yeah, the death of the planet <laughs> that we're actively starting to experience or that yes. we're starting to witness. There's yeah. been many studies about, you know, food shortages in sub-Saharan Africa, for example, because of their crazy droughts. Mm-hmm. So then also there's these scientists in Zimbabwe uh, that are developing uh, seeds that are drought resistant. So I guess mm. that's to me, <sighs> I feel like we're so far gone in terms of the way that we've overused this planet right. that unless we do something completely drastic, we're never going to be able to turn back the clock. But human innovation is going to be what deals with the we fact that we've, that we've destroyed the planet. Ups. And it's not going to be the same. It's going to be different. Is it going to be better? Maybe not. It depends on what we're able to do with, like, you know, animals, too, because yeah, we're I mean, completely maybe, destroying the planet and destroying animals and all this kind of shit. Maybe so, it'll be an inferior banana. And then you'll be really upset about it because you'll have one banana, but you'll be like, I need the other banana. Well, yeah. I mean, I have actually, I can't remember what it is, but there's some sci-fi movie where cows have died. Oh, no. It's, I think it's in Futurama where their uh, cows have been extinct for a really long time. And somebody's like, you've eaten cow? What was it like? And like, nobody's <laughs> right. like had like an actual burger. They yeah. had like imitation burgers and oh, stuff like I that. Oh, I am going to be talking about that as well. Oh, uh, oh, definitely. Well, it's called cultured meats. Oh, yeah. They're so cultured. The, it's just some meat reading. Cultured meats. Dickens. Some Dickens. <laughs> oh, I'm just, you know, reading Walden over here. Yeah. Um, that's not Dickens, but it's it's equally fancy pants. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, because one of the interesting things about this study, I guess, because it's like, oh, great, you're studying how, you know, I mean, how do you develop heat resistant seeds well first of all you have to understand how plants even regulate them or like what genes are affected by it so wait just to be clear this is through like gmo type stuff because uh i know a lot of people are really against it and i'm generally oh no they they weren't like fucking with plants they were studying particular plants they looked at the genetic variability of 100 types of a particular plant called arabia dopsis thaliana 
Ooh. Isn't that beautiful? That's a beautiful Arabia, name. Ara- Arabidopsis. Sorry, I added an extra. I added Arabia. Doesn't that sound better? That like Arabiadopsis. Yeah. <laughs> well, like whatever. I did it. Rising out of the yeah, lake. Yeah, exactly. Belly dancer. Um, anyway, uh, so then they, they grew the plants under mild drought stress, and then they performed these in-depth cellular and molecular analyses of the plants' responses. And it turned out that like um, there was only a few particular genes that apparently play a role in whether or not a plant dies because of drought. So like once wow. they can understand more of that, they know how to... I guess, manipulate that. And it's so in, yes, it would be GMO. But that, <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is like for this study, they weren't GMOing, but they're looking into how we're going to be able to GMO. Yeah. And that raises the ethical question for me though, too, because I go back and forth as much as I hate Monsanto for being an evil corporation and mm. like you shouldn't make fucking farmers buy seeds every year. Like it's a goddamn iPhone. Exactly. At the same time, if, the way that we deal with food shortages and feeding the almost 9 billion people that are going to be on the planet by mm-hmm. 2050, uh, w- like, we're going to have to deal with GMOs. Yep. And, and they don't have to be, like, fucking with your health and any more than the shit that we already ingest. I don't, yeah, like, I haven't seen anything that is... And, you know, we still know very little about it, and I'm willing to fully acknowledge all of the reasons why people would be skeptical of them, mm-hmm. but... Ultimately, it's one of those things that we're running into already a bunch in this podcast where this is going to help so many people that a lot of the concerns, we need to go down these roads. We need to learn about these things. And I completely agree with you when it comes to companies like Monsanto. We need to be very aware and regulating everything. But ultimately, the question is, like, you could feed millions more people. Yeah. And and what is the what is your mental or emotional holdup? It, it is it the same as what we've been talking about right. with the fucking AI shit? Yeah, like it's keeping weird your old to man me. in check. Keep your old man in check. And I get especially with food, just because our food, the food industry has manipulated so much. Mm. Like the kind of poison that they're putting in. Right. Why would you trust a food company? I think that's kind of the general thing. But, but when you think about that. just the reality of. You know, it, you might be weird about 3D organs, man, but guess what? That's what's happening. Yeah, and guess what? If you need a liver yeah. and the only option is going to be a 3D printed liver or, a three, you know, yeah. all these Or you could things. be on hold for a donor for who knows how long and... Yeah, so take your choice. Yeah. And people even go further than that and, like, won't even get a donor, you know, or, like, won't be organ donors. And right. There, there's a yeah, lot of hangups so, that people have. Yeah, it's weird to, to think about growing meat in a lab, but you're like, if we can undo some of the environmental impact that it takes to fucking raise this livestock and which the kind crazy. of water, it, which is insane. Uh, yeah, I, like to me, if it tastes like and has the nutritional value of a steak, or even a better nutritional value than a steak. Well, they've obviously been developing this shit for a while, but like in August of 2013, for example, there's a, this team of Dutch scientists that they showed off their lab grown burger. The cost of it was $330,000 just for the burger. That's like more that's than the phase. Kobe beef. Yeah. It's definitely no in and out, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, and apparently they provided a taste test there and, you know, people that participated couldn't tell the difference at all or whatever. Um, then in mm. 2016, March of this year, uh, then an American company, Memphis Meats, they like had a fucking fried, they did a little meatball taste test or whatever, nice. and people seemed to, to like it. And that was uh, $18,000 per pound Whoa. for that. So, okay. Uh, yeah. So basically, we're just at going the, to the butcher yeah. and just seeing, like, okay, that's like eleven ninety nine a pound. Yeah. 
fifteen ninety nine a pound. Eighteen thousand dollars a pound. A pound. <laughs> Cash or charge? I'll get like a half a pound. Yeah, half pound. Oh, also something. Uh, another company, Modern Meadow. They're they're promising lab grown uh, steak chips, which is something between a what? potato chip and beef jerky. Barfarino. Um, Apparently those are going to be hitting the stores uh, soon. So anyway, I mean, the reason that they're doing this is because they want to cut down on the land that's used to to raise the livestock. If you, you know, obviously the cruelty factor and just the efficiency factor or whatever. Um, It would also reduce the need for water by 90%. If if wow. we stopped doing it. like yeah, so much water is used by wow. this. Like I've I I did a vlog a few years back because I was really like <laughs> I was trying to do the vegetarian thing and uh, I did research. It's not just about being like the animals, of course, the animals, but right. it's like when you think about the environmental impact, you're like, holy shit, no wonder yeah. we end up in this interstellar <laughs> like dust bowl. There was also like a study released from the guardian back in 2012 that was talking about how like leading water scientists are saying that the world's population may have to switch almost completely to a vegetarian diet over the next uh, 40 years to avoid catastrophic shortages, Whoa, which is fascinating to me. Really? Yeah. And they specific, well, because they're saying like humans derive about 20% of their protein from animal, animal based products now. And we may need to drop to just 5% in order to feed the 2 billion, you know, estimated extra extra people people that are going to be around by 2050. So that was released by um, folks at the Stockholm International Water Institute because they were like meeting up to kind of deal with the water problems or whatever. So um, because at that time in 2012, there was, you know, there were severe droughts both in the United States and Russia. There was food shortages, um, especially in like developing countries. But I think to your point earlier, what is, how do we feel about that? Is this another keep your own old man in check scenario? That's my feeling on it right now. Yeah. But I also really do understand the skepticism and the fact that like, we don't know what's happening. Well, like I was reading that, um, one of the theories on how to combat global warming would be to seed the ocean with algae. And, uh, uh, when we did that, when we did experiments with it, it like new, species of algae just like were generated in the process Uh that we didn't know. Like you can't predict what kind is going to happen. And that was another theory on how this earth in interstellar could have gotten to that place is that we were so worried about global warming that we seeded the oceans with algae. And then it produced a new kind of algae we weren't expecting that released like a poison that killed all the fish in the ocean and then completely destroyed the rest of humanity. Totally. So we might in the trying to fix it, (laughs) Bringing us back to science is admitting what we don't know. So it's like, (laughs) but that's the thing. It's, it's all, it's all trial and error and, you know, cause and effect and all this kind of shit. So I I don't want to stop people from innovating, but I get we're not at the place where we're comfortable just like, although we have so many other things grown in labs, right? But trial and error is the thing where you're risking error. And yeah. when the error could be the destruction of the planet, yeah. you people don't necessarily want you to trial. But we're destroying the planet, and knowingly. Yes. That, this is like, ooh, am I doing it? It's like, we're doing it right now, and some people are doing it fucking loud and proud. That is the funny thing. I guess people are extra worried <laughs> about the things that we're doing to combat the way that yeah. we're actually destroying. And it's like, and whoa, like, that <laughs> might hurt the planet. Actually, you're like, but we're already hurting the planet. And they're like, but that might too. Yeah, it's like, what, but we got to do something. Yeah. You know, it, it, status quo. It kind of brings <laughs> me back to when I was an EMT, and you, the whole thing is like, if somebody's having a heart attack and you're giving them CPR, who cares if you break a rib? 
their heart isn't moving. Right, like, sure. You can maybe make a few mistakes and along the way to the more important yeah. fix. Yes. Of course. You can't you can't make an omelet without cracking several eggs. <laughs> depending on how big the omelet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I really like that it opens on this like documentary style yes. thing that is very much in line with documentaries about the Dust Bowl yeah. from the 30s. Oh, totally. So it really is like, you know, it's like the corn of wrath. Like it's like <laughs> right. The, all of the crops are dying and they're talking about it like, we, you know, we had to cover our faces because the dust storm was so bad. And that led me to a little bit of research on the Dust Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in the 30s, there was a bunch of new technology, like small gasoline powered tractors and stuff like that. But like the big one was the combine harvester. Mm-hmm. Uh, and farmers all decided to convert this arid grassland to cultivated cropland. And they didn't know anything about, like, the ecology of the plains. So when they did this, they did this deep plowing of the topsoil, and it displaced all the native deep-rooted grasses that normally trapped soil and moisture. Oh. So when a drought came, the winds just... Or all of the soil just turned to dust, and then the winds came and just picked all of it up. But as a result of The farming oh, that had been done right, without knowing how the technology works. Oh, Without fully knowing how the technology works, they fucked it right up. And then the, they had these things that, that would blacken the sky. You couldn't see more than a meter in front of you. And it, they called them black blizzards or black rollers. And like they made it from Oklahoma to New York City and Washington, D.C. The black... The, the black blizzard. Black blizzards. <laughs> black blizzards. And wow, all the way to New York City. From Oklahoma to New <laughs> to York City. New York City. City. Um, that is wild. Yeah. So. And how long did the Dust Bowl last? That was like a big chunk of time, no? It was, yeah, it was during the 30s. It was like mostly from 34 to 39. Yeah. Uh, I think like Grapes of Wrath was written in 39. Yeah, right. So it was, it had been happening and everybody had to move. And then they all showed up in California and the economy had like crashed. And so they were like, oh, fuck. Right. It's all shitty here too. But do you think, because we've talked a lot about how, like, the exponential way that technology has expanded for our generation. Do you think that, don't you think we know enough about science that we're not going to do something like that? Again, <laughs> Am I being too naive? Yes. Yeah, I'm yes. sure I'm being naive. No, but it'll be, it'll be on some other crazy massive scale. Like, we know enough about soil now. Uh, yeah. But that's why every time we take one of these steps, the next one that we face is on a bigger, sure. bigger scale. And that's why people are like, wait, if it's trial and error, yeah. maybe we shouldn't try. Because uh, it gets if it gets bigger and bigger, right. we reach the nuclear bomb level. Mm-hmm. Like, where do we go from there? What's the next one? I just think, God, you can't you can't stop it. You can't. You can't stop, won't stop. Yeah. <laughs> can't stop the feeling. Whatever you want to say. Um, you can't stop progress. No. Nope. Evolution is always going to happen. And I just feel like the more, I don't know, even me having to keep my old man in check, it's like I am trying to embrace these things just because I realize it's inevitable. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, or is that me just being so wrapped up in the machine yeah, and yeah. just chewed up and <laughs> yep. spit out? You well, have to have a, like a decent level of skepticism. At the same time, I'm sort of like, bro, like it's happening, bro. Right. I get accused of being naive about that all the time. Yeah. Uh, and it's... Naive about what? That About, haven't we made enough of these mistakes to know not to make a right. new You're one? like, no, dummy. No. Not you know all. what? This is... Uh, this just popped in my head, but 
one of the my favorite stories from the Russian space program, <laughs> of which there are many. He's um, so many. The their first probe to Venus landed, and the lens cap melted off of the camera, Ooh. and then it went to sample the soil, and it sampled the plastic that had melted. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just like, and they were like, what the hell is that? Like, what is this stuff? So yeah, they're and, like, did we find you know, something new? Like at any, you got to take time and like to know your science. Yeah, totally. And when you're doing things on a massive scale, like that is planetary scale, you don't know, the lab experiments cannot know for sure what's going to happen in the wild. For sure. I guess what I meant to say is like, we know enough about like there's been so many theories that have been peer reviewed and this and that and the other that yeah. we seem to know there's like some baseline knowledge that maybe we won't fuck up in that kind of elementary school way. Yeah, uh, I hope. But I think we'll just fuck up. It's sort of like, you know, you won't fuck your kids up in the same way your parents fucked you up, but you'll fuck You're them up fuck in them. a totally new way. <laughs> yeah, but hopefully not in a this time it's catastrophic yeah. way. Or maybe. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that's the worry if you're gonna fuck them up have it be fun you know <laughs> just teasing um right okay uh scoodly deep one other theory uh on why the planet is destroyed in the beginning of the movie um is that global warming melted earth's ice caps to the point that it released a prehistoric pathogen oh, that right. ended up like coming back and wreaking havoc on modern day back everything. With a vengeance. Uh, which is always like an idea that I just think is so fascinating because there are these pockets. There was this lake, this frozen under under ice lake mm-hmm. in Russia that they were so afraid to actually tap into because it's this prehistoric ecosystem that hasn't been touched since uh, like it really t- hundreds of thousands of years. God, millions it's of like years. Encino Man, but in real life. Did exactly. you ever see that? Movie? Of course, I've seen Encino Man. As we should do that about, on the podcast. I know. <laughs> it's, what did Brendan like Fraser? Yeah. Of, what if you became really good friends yeah. and you like, to, and his what name the, was Link? What were the cavemen really like? And this movie, his hair gets and into that. It. I was so into Brendan Fraser and Encino yeah. Man. Like, yeah. un, like that's a very vivid. You mean Polly Shore wasn't taking all of the girls' eyes off? I, of, <laughs> only when he says. You wheezing off my juice, buddy. I the remember. Weasel. <laughs> Fucking guy. What a what a career, am I right? Yeah. Anyway, okay. Yeah. Encino man, put uh, that in our topic. memory bank. <laughs> um, but so it's should right. we should yeah. we get into space? I think it's in this interstellar. It's begging to be done. Yeah. Uh, what what do you want to talk about? Well, for me, <laughs> I feel like. Even just trying to find a place to start with this, I was like, I don't... So many of these theories are really above my head. So I just I just played it honest, and I went to wormholes for dummies. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear... Are the for dummies online now? Uh-huh. So, okay, uh-huh. that's great. Totes. And There's yeah. a whole... And not that I like typed in wormholes, and then the, that's one of the first thing that came up. I literally Google searched wormholes, wormholes for, for dummies, <laughs> and luckily, then it was the first thing on the list. <laughs> when the, the analogy of a wormhole 
being like an endless barbershop pole. <laughs> just That's swirling. an interesting one. <laughs> yeah. Well, to like visualize it. Right. Like, no, just to visualize it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Where it's just constantly like swoosh, swoosh. Yeah. It's always turning. Where's the end and where's, where's the beginning? The, the idea of time travel in general. I just needed it broken down a little yeah. bit. The analogy that I heard or read about uh, wormholes, which was the actual original reason for the name wormhole, mm-hmm. is if you imagine an ant walking on the surface of an apple, it's only able to walk around the mm-hmm. surface of an apple. But if it happens upon a wormhole in mm-hmm. the apple that bores all the way through to the other side, it can take a shortcut that it never could exist in that dimension that it was walking on the outside right. of it. So it's a shortcut in space between two distant points that you could never actually travel to. Right. To it. So but then it, like wormholes are inherently unstable, right? So yeah, scientists say be. that if there's enough negative energy, they might be able to like keep it open. But to me, I'm just that's when it gets crazy. I'm like the the reality of doing something like that. Yeah. How far away w- are we from even being able to do something like We're that? We're probably impossible away from right? being able to do that. W- what he talks about in the book of the movie is that we would have to invent, there would have to be some new type of exotic matter, as they call mm-hmm. it, that we don't know how to harness forces that are theorized to exist that we could theoretically control if we were able to control forces that we don't understand or know even for sure exist. (laughs) So it's like as... Too many theoreticals. Right. In the movie, there's this whole concept going on that higher dimensional beings are purposely showing us this and they have the technology to keep the wormhole open for us to be able to travel through in order to save ourselves. Right. Okay. Wait, say that one more time. There are higher in the movie. There are higher dimensional beings, right, which are able to show hold a wormhole open for us to travel through, uh, in order f- to show us the way to save ourselves, right. And you know, some of the theories are that it's us, but like way in the future version right. of humanity. I know. Well, okay. So even if it wasn't like us that traveled through the wormholes, is right. it possible f- for us to like create a thing, some kind of material that can go through it without they think super no up, because right? they've snapped shut f- so fast that anything that tried to tr- travel through it would get like pinched off I would just fuck with the... it I'd be like <laughs> you just like throw a tennis ball like, yeah what if... totally tennis ball yeah. see what happens <laughs> oh god yeah um, the thing is it's it, with today's technology the fastest that a spaceship that we've ever created can go is 15 mi- uh, kilometers per second so it's going 15 kilometers per second. Right. I want to translate these into miles. I know, right? Kilometers right. are like... I'm going to say yeah. 11, uh, because I think that is right. Okay. Um, roughly. You'd think at age 29, I would have like been able to make those <laughs> conversions by now, but like... I just hate that like, they're always doing it in kilometers with astrophysics, and then when I'm talking about it, I just want to be in miles. Yeah, because... Yeah. So because America, um, the fastest that we could go is fi- that we can go today is 15 is 11 miles. The oh fastest boy. that we can go today is 11 miles per second, which is really fucking fast. Pretty fast. But the fastest, how fast you would have to go in this movie is 100,000 miles per second. Uh, right. They believe that by the end of this century, we'll be able to travel about 300 miles per second. And... If we were traveling at 300 miles per second, 
we would get to the nearest star in 5,000 years. Whoa, okay. So we're really far from being able to go to any other stars. Right. That's not the nearest star with a habitable planet. Mm -mm. That is the nearest star to our star. right. It would take us 5,000 years going at a theoretical... That's like if we put huge research and development into propulsion over the next 100 years, we still... That's how long it would take. Well, if we're talking about kind of like the ethics of that or how we feel about it, is it just part of humanity to feel the need to understand even that distantly away from us? I think it's more than that. I think it's to survive. We know inherently that we're going to have to get off of this planet. Really? Yeah. You really think that? I think that somewhere deep down, uh, not everybody is thinking that, but I think people who are involved in space travel and involved in NASA and invo- like wanting to learn about astrophysics, uh-huh. th- it's all driven by a desire not only to understand the universe, the fact that the Earth will die, the sun will expand and die. We know that we're going to have to get off this planet and we have an innate desire to survive. But even the people that that's not affecting right now. They... Like, we're not... In our lifetime, we're not going to have to get off the planet, I don't think. We're going to be able right. to deal with it. So that's what makes me think, is it's like... it's Okay, if we're, if we're looking at your theory of the, the need to survive, is that a, a human thing to be like... You know that you're like, even generations from now, they're going to have to get off this planet, so that's why I'm devoting time to try to figure out how to get the fuck out of here. I think that's how a lot of people think about it. Interesting. Elon Musk has specifically said that. Really? Okay. He's like, we got to get started now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just because it's interesting, like, I could certainly see with the way things are going, I could see us getting to the point where we need to get the fuck off the planet. But I don't know, for some reason, I had this, I was like, I see it more so being like, uh, you know, a la fifth element or, you know, where it's like, you just build up, you know, like when all the waters have come in and just flushed us away, you just build, you build up, we've got the flying cars and, you know, we're just going to make do. Just go or, vertical. Or the way that you, you, you know, there's going to be parts of the world that you just can't go, you know, uh-huh. or if you're there, you have to stay inside or have to wear a special suit and that kind of shit. Uh-huh. But I never really thought like, no, we need to get the fuck off of here because the, the world's going to implode simply just because... The Earth's been around for billions of years. I mean, I know we've fucked it up so much, but... I, I'm talking about billions of years in the future. Right. Like, the, and so... Oh, just like any planet you're saying it'll eventually die, or exactly. as a result of human activity. As I think Elon Musk has said, and many others in sci- uh, NASA and stuff, mm-hmm. is that we cannot be a one-planet species, and we cannot be a one-solar-system species if we want to survive. Some people's theories... That sounds so fucking... It's just so, like... It's so human, I guess, but... Right. Like, get over yourselves. What, what do you mean? What? Why the fuck do we need to... Like, we've, or, we've had our time. Like, we have had our fun. Uh-huh. And now, what the fuck entitlement is that? Now, that now it's now time to die? Now we need to, to just go destroy the rest of the fucking solar system? Because that's what we do. Much like we learned in the Matrix. Like, we are <laughs> parasites. <laughs> yeah, well... Mr. Anderson. I, <laughs> We're parasites. And that's what parasite. I'm saying. I'm like, look, I, it just seems to me to be very... Uh, there's like Takey, an ego. There's a very, there's an ego there. Well, yes. Uh, on the same level, we've talked before about uh, is Homo sapiens the end of evolution? Because when it comes to AI and the machines that we've been talking about that they're going to build, 
it could be that we send those off and whatever those are and their understanding goes on to all these different right. planets. Right, and then we get to check out and just be we like, We get to peace. be on our human, peace, buddy. in our human Earth zoo. Yeah, Where we totally. get to fuck around and... I don't care. Play video games and... Yeah, I mean, if you were talking about, like, to the, to the people at that time, that's going to be their reality. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You, I don't know. It's any moment in history you kind of you look back. You're like, but did the people at that time know how fucked up it was? Like, right. Just, right. These people are just gonna be like, "This is me. This is my life now." In the same way that us yeah. here, we're kind of like, "This seems fucked up," but I, it's the only world I know. Yeah. <laughs> I always wondered, like, what is the like? We all use soap every day, right. and there was a time where human beings didn't. And yeah. I'm like, what? What is? What are we doing today that people in the future could be like? How did people deal with that? Uh oh! I'm sure there's going to be fucking plenty. I think the, well, you the easiest think about people one like, is how auto- did you how did you live without a cell phone? Like right. how did right. that shit's happening all the time? Yeah. I think the big obvious one is uh, self driving cars. As yeah, like, are you, you fucking people just drove around like yourselves. You were in control of those cars. Oh, big time. Crazy. Absolutely. That's yeah, bitch, we were so much more. Well, I mean, even when you think about something as small as like driving manual versus automatic, right. like now it's sort of like you guys had to fucking jerk around to like, <laughs> just jerk to, off your car just to just go from to point A to point drive B. Drive on the highway. <laughs> Whoa, buddy. Uh, How did you guys survive? Like, oh, you're just jerking your car off. But so one of the ways. <laughs> One of the ways that we may be able to get to a distant star is the concept of a generation ship, uh-huh. which is this idea that we would have this enormous ship that could have a whole colony of people that's self-sustaining for many generations, and people would leave the Earth, and then their descendants, many, many, many years down the line, would eventually arrive and see this planet. Right. But... That means that there's huge numbers of generations of people who were neither born on Earth nor will make it to their destination, and their only purpose is to just procreate and make sure that the society doesn't fall apart until they get there. And they might not even know... I mean, who knows what they might believe at a certain point uh, because of the way that ideas get molded and changed and I'm sure that they would have like information or maybe they would even have contact but if they could lose contact eventually with the earth like how do you know generations down the line that you're doing something for a real purpose uh I mean it's sort of like ask anybody who believes in anything that you know what I mean <laughs> yeah exactly but I don't know well it is a again, question of faith well basically what I was saying though too is the people that are on that generation ship they don't know earth they don't know wherever they're going mm-hmm. That's the only life that they know. So, you know, it's a so nature versus nurture. Yeah, they're just going to exist in that yeah. way. Um, yeah. And people will tell them, and they may or may not believe it. I feel like if I was born on a, you know, generation ship and was just sort of like, so you're telling me I can't <laughs> fucking go outside? Yeah. You know, just, yeah. I wouldn't know what outside is. Yeah. I, like, we, they'd probably create some sort of thing like, oh, I'm going to go walk around the veranda the, on the, the, you know. The holodeck or the, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just like astroturf yeah. and shit, and like I always just imagine like what is the funeral of the last person who experienced Earth like on one of those ships? Oh man! And everybody's like, "Well, there he goes, the yeah. last person who was has any memory of that." I know. I mean, hopefully the guy was cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he was a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, like we all real, hated him. We're all really glad real he's dead. He really sport. like just kept telling everybody about how oh, I remember Earth. 
I was I was yeah. two years old when we left, and he was fucking. He was constantly just back in my daying. I just yeah. couldn't, you know. I had ice cream. Get once. over yourself. We get it. <laughs> Earth was cool. Shut up, Tom. We're never going to experience it, and you did, yeah, Tom. We're glad you're dead. <laughs> oh man. Anyway. <laughs> well, we can talk about some time travel stuff. If, but uh, if time travel any. stuff. What do you mean? Uh, well. Einstein's special theory of relativity is basically stating that uh, time moves at a different rate depending on where you are in the universe. Mm -hmm. So if you are near a source of huge gravity, like right next to a black hole, time moves a lot slower than it does here on Earth. And he predicted this, uh, and it was like 50 years later that they put an atomic clock and they shot it into space, and then they had another clock like on Earth, and they found that there was a 30 microsecond difference that in how time flows up in space versus mm-hmm. how it flows down here. And that was with the whole premise of the planet where there's, for every hour that they're on, it takes seven years back on Earth. Right, like dog years. Right. <laughs> it is exactly like dog years. <laughs> I didn't realize Good that. Good job, Joya. Uh, but... They're, um, that's how I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like, that's how I'm getting through some of this shit is by coming up with analogies that are comfortable to me. No, I, I, dog years. I like that. Barbershop poles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean that to me, that's like the biggest no, but that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Time travel is possible. They really think that backward time travel is not, uh-huh. uh, which is what everybody really wants. Right. Right. God. But time travel. But if you wanted to theoretically see what Earth was like hundreds of years in the future, you might be able to travel close to the speed of light. Time would move incredibly slow for you. If there was like, if we built like a train that went around the Earth oh. and it went near the speed of light, and you got on that train and it just like went around the Earth uh, over and over again um, <laughs> for a hundred years, you would experience one week. Uh, yeah, I mean, it would be. Amazing. It would, it would be, be incredible amazing. to see the future, but it's just you know people do want to just back, back to the future. Back Bill and Ted, like we're all we just want to go back. <laughs> we do want to go back. Well, because also there's that that feeling I think for me of just you know you want to be able to go back and like change whatever right. happens. <laughs> you know, everybody like I would go back and kill Hitler. Yeah, you know, like all of those hit. the big kill Hitler thing. Yeah. Um, you just steal all of Beyonce's songs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know when, uh, that this is going to be a hit. My favorite is in the movie Frequency when he talks to like... Oh, I've never seen it. Oh, wait. Is that can, old school? That's like kind of old, right? It was in the 90s, I think. Like yeah, I mean, 2000. We're, we're able to say it was kind of old. Old school 90s. came out in 2000. 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, kind of. It's Jim Caviezel right. and yep, uh, Dennis totally. Quaid. And the whole thing is like he can like talk to his dad who's mm-hmm. in the 60s over a ham radio right. because the aurora borealis is moving magnetic waves whatever reason a- anyway <laughs> uh but there's a great moment where uh one of the characters is like talking to himself as a child and he's like remember by yahoo oh yeah and, oh yeah and he's like oh yeah like and then like he back in the alternate future he's like got like a car that's like yahoo won on the license plate totally <laughs> I just oh i would do that but now even in 2016 it's like don't buy yahoo well, but yeah. it's the like stake. buy yahoo sell it in 2000 yeah exactly <laughs> you know? oh god i but it's but again still it would just be so fucking fun i'm sorry i'm getting like 
super geek kid about it, but just to be able to go back to like, not to spend too much time there, you know, you want to just peek at what Renaissance times were like, but you don't want to fucking get, you don't want to get your Uh, fucking head chopped off during the revolution. Like nobody needs that, but you want to just at least be like, how short was Napoleon? (laughs) You just want to know. That's That's it. That's Uh, all you need to know. Well, Woody Allen was once asked that question and he had a great response. Which was, I would never want to go to a time before penicillin was invented. Exactly. Like, the moment you you step, you know, you touch ground, you end up fucking just dysentery. And yeah. Like, and you don't want, like, there's easy fixes to things now <laughs> that you just would not want to live before. No. And not to mention, like, you know, people of different ethnic... I'm a woman. Like, I, there's a lot of times that I, you know... Basically, before I was born, I don't really know if I would want to be alive. Like, I've got a pretty decent now these days. Uh, Yeah, I mean, 100 years ago, you couldn't No bueno, no bueno. But uh, again, hence why I would just be like, oh, I'm window shopping these generations, and now I'm going back to, you know. I want to see a dinosaur. I would love to see a dinosaur. Do I want to properly interact with the dinosaur? Do I want to step any more than a foot outside of that time machine and not be able to immediately get the fuck out of town? (laughs) Hell no. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Tangent time. So, um, one of the lines in the movie that uh, resonated with me as well was when there. Do you remember the at the very beginning with the surveillance drone? Yeah. He was like sending out, and the little girl, you know, wanted to let it go, and and uh, what's his name? What's McConaughey's name in it? Fuck. Cooper? Cooper. Cooper. Okay. So at the very beginning of the movie, uh, there's this surveillance drone that uh, Murph, Cooper's kid, wants to let go. And he basically said, this thing has to adapt like the rest of us. So that was one thing, too, is like this uh, adaptation and evolution in its own way. And so if fucking the population has to, we have to stop eating meat and and get 5% of our protein from animals. We're going to have to adapt. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think that is one of the reasons why that's most interesting to me is because I feel like these are, like, imminent things that we're going to have to deal with. Maybe not the complete uh, catastrophic end of the world within our lifetime, but we're definitely seeing... I mean, we live in fucking California. Yeah. You drive up to San Francisco, you're like, my God, this, like, sad, drought-ridden There's, like, the... There's tons of there's like a creek in Griffith Park that's been empty since I came here, oh, yeah. and I think like it had like a little trickle when I first moved here. Totally, I remember. <laughs> oh my god, we, we when I was going through my hiking phase, you know, every week I'd yeah. be like, let's go on a new hike, <laughs> and we looked up these like amazing waterfalls. I forget where they where they were, like maybe around Pasadena area, uh-huh. and we got there and we're like. Well, we should be coming up around the bend here. I don't hear any water. And then, oh, we, and no. then we around the corner. And it was like God just like dribble peeing, you know? <laughs> just like, <laughs> it, was, it was just like, and it was so sad. We'd yeah. hiked this whole way. And of course, on the website, you know, this is glorious. Right, this go- Why would well, we be so stupid to I think did, that it was going to be there? But I did basically the same thing where I went up to Big Bear like two years ago. And there was like, it was like, a lakefront cabin that I rented <laughs> yep. and I went up and you couldn't see the lake. The lake was like a almost puddle yeah. in the middle of this giant just grassland. Totally. It's just completely dry and you walk out in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, good for star looking because there was like no lights around in the yeah. middle of the lake. Yeah. <laughs> but you get to just stand there and go, we're fucked. <laughs> but again, yeah, it's just that, that like, <laughs> I 
I'm just going to sit in front of the lake here. Yeah. Like, no, dude. That's why we say we're in a drought. Right. We're not joking. Yeah. It's really gross. It's very apparent. But apparently, are we not? It. We're like not in a drought anymore? I don't there know. There was like two rains and they're like, we did it, it's, it's so confusing to me. And then the Silver Lake Reservoir is all empty, and it, but they're like construction. I don't yeah, I know. I know. But uh, one thing that, one of the things that gives me hope is uh, there's a technology developed by Dean Kamen, who is most famous for doing the Segway, but he does has done many other really I feel transformative. Like I've talked about particularly him with you. Uh, okay, because of like how terrible the Segway is, but you're like, but no. Meanwhile, this guy's He's like actually doing like- all this other shit. You should see. There's a documentary on Netflix. It's called Slingshot, and it's because he has this invention that they, he calls the Slingshot, which turns any water into drinkable water. Right. Mm-hmm. Any water at all with anything in it goes through. Uh, but And yet, so it's all overshadowed by the segue, is it not? It is all overshadowed <laughs> by the segue. God damn it. God damn it. Uh, so this device that they want to put into little villages in Africa and places where people have to walk hours every day to get mm-hmm. a little bit of water for their family, uh, this could produce many, many gallons of water all the time with very little maintenance and it's like got no member. It's got a bunch of fancy shit. And if we can deploy that technology at scale and do desalinization of the ocean mm-hmm. and things like that, there's plenty of water to be used, right? but there isn't that much water that we actually can, can still use right now. Right. But we're working on fixing that. I guess that's sort of my thing too, is I'm like, how maybe I'm just being like, an audacious son of a bitch, but yeah. <laughs> I feel like we should have figured out how to desalinate the goddamn ocean by now. It's 2016. We have. It's just we can't do it on a at, massive scale. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying is it's like well, we we've should've. done so many things on an industrial, like crazy scale. Yeah. All right. Uh, one last like major topic, I okay. guess, uh, that I have. A big thing that's happening in this movie is the concept that gravity can travel through dim- other dimensions. Mm-hmm. and Along with love. Along with love. <laughs> Don't we all know that love can transcend dimensions, but gravity, <laughs> not everybody knows it. Uh, <clears throat> and the way to think of a gravity wave going through another dimension, uh, I heard this one for a pool table where all the balls are on a two-dimensional plane. Okay. But when you uh, when a ball hits another ball, it creates a sound wave mm-hmm. that goes into the third dimension outside of the... 2D plane that the balls are on. Mm-hmm. And that's what gravity can do is when things collide Why? like that, they can it can send off gravity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so i.e. like asteroids or what kind of things hitting each other? Well... Are you going to tell me? I am about to tell Perfect. You. Because 100 years ago is when Einstein, in 1916, is when Einstein first predicted that gravity waves would exist. Mm-hmm. Earlier this year, 100 years later in 2016, we measured the first gravity wave. Whoa. And I wanted to talk about the idea of like, okay, so why is this important? I was just going to ask. Why is it important that we know gravity waves? And right now, I don't have a good answer. (laughs) Okay. Except to say that in the early 1900s, we discovered that an electron exists. Right. And without that, at that discovery, when it was like announced, somebody in the back of the audience famously like stood up and said, yeah, why do we care? Like, why do we care that we know that an electron orbits an atom? Right. But we wouldn't be able to have any electronics 
without that knowledge. Right. So you're talking about like what this could potentially mean in the future now that we know. If you are able to learn about forces that exist in the universe, you can start to learn how to maybe even control them or harness them and do things that seemed like magic a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're not going to stop doing that. In you, in, in your brain, are you like, okay, well, now that we know this and they, there's this huge gravitational wave, are, we, are you thinking, like, then it would fucking knock us off kilter? Or oh, what are we... no, it's really not that kind of uh, power. Right. It's like, it's sh- okay. It's, and because they think that it can go to the other dimensions that are talked about in string theory, and now we're getting into areas that, right. like, you know, it's pretty heady and I don't totally understand. For sure. But that's where you get into, can a gravity wave travel back in time? Mm-hmm. And can you, if you can control gravity waves, could you send messages back in time? And that's what's happening at the end of the movie is sure. McConaughey sending a message through gravity. I, I guess that's always what, what I'm the person that's like, nah, but what's the end result? I, I'm, I'm that person in 1916 who's like, yeah. why do we care? Yeah. You know, I was like that in all my theater classes at Sarah Lawrence. Like every stupid vocal warm up that they made us do, I'd be like, to what end? <laughs> yeah. Well, the and the answer is we don't know now, except that it's very likely to like change everything about what we know. Sure. The, I am not the person to be figuring out what to do with with the black holes and gravitational waves. But I know that there's people out there, some youths, the youths of America that can really get on board. No, I mean, it is amazing. When I think back on it, uh, I I mean, I think I've just always been like a fucking performer, like creative mind like that. But when I think back on it, I mean, the kind of, you know, innovation and the ingenuity that you have to come up with to be a scientist and to come up with these kinds of things. It's like, shit, if that was marketed as more cool to me. <laughs> right. Well, I always felt like... And I grew up with Bill Nye, shit. I know. I, I felt like... It, when After I graduated college, I started reading about all this stuff, like special relativity, where I'm like, what? Time travel's possible? And I was so mad at my high school teachers for not just telling me... So time travel's a thing. Totally. Uh, now, tell me about why math is cool. Right, exactly. Uh, well, I mean, in, in my experience, it was it was like learning the thing, but not learning why it's awesome to know the thing. Right. You know, and I, in, I, the, in the way that, and maybe that's teachers, I don't know, I, I, but in the same way that like history and all the other shit that I was like, oh, this is fucking interesting, man. Like, right. You, you go on to put it in a context that is interesting to people. And I didn't hit that until I started watching like the science channel yeah. after college. I also hated math. Like I, you yeah. know, you can't fucking be an astrophysicist. Yeah. Being okay with math. And I'm like, no, I made the decision. I was like, I can learn that time travel is a thing and that. Like that's fun. Yeah. But I, am I going to learn the actual equations no. that you're going to do exactly what we're doing right now, which is, which is learn just enough to be able to be like, isn't that fucking rad? So cool. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that knowledge changes. Really knowledge rules. Am I right? Anyway. Okay, cool. Well, I, I like that at least, uh, interstellar was able to give us those awesome prompts. I mean, it's a, a, I would be very disingenuous for me to say like, nah, this was a take it or leave it movie. Right. Say what you will about how much you enjoyed the movie watching it. We've had a discussion that I think was worth having because of the ideas that it talks about. Mm -hmm. So, Oh, I, you know, whether or not we include this, I just feel like it needs to be said. Um, okay. Remember when, (laughs) 
we were watching the movie and like it first opens up on and you know we like close up on Matthew McConaughey and I was just like oh Matthew 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 yeah. because I had kind of forgot you know you go through your like childhood crushes right uh-huh. and Matthew McConaughey was like a huge fucking childhood crush to the point where I would like print off pictures of it and like put them into like the binders that I took to really? school like a picture just a picture there's Prince level. Prince yeah Matthew and then fucking Prince Prince still to this day but Matthew it's a, a, it's bit. a good <laughs> but when I told you when I told you that I was like oh man yeah he was one of my big ones back then and you were like Oh, mm, Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. Yeah, I was is like, that what it is? Is that and the I was one like, that got you? Is that the one? And I was like, no, dude. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation. <laughs> so, like, I completely forgot that that was it. Oh, my God. I know. 94, him and Renee yeah. Zellweger. He had, like, a mechanical leg. He was just a real piece of shit. Like, he was not a good person. He was, like, yeah. super creepy and terrible, but he was just delightful. And then he went on to make The Wedding Planner, and that pretty much did it for me. Like nail in the coffin of so that. You I was were like, done, done. No so. more. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's made quite the comeback. Fucking comeback. He's great. He is so great. It's just yeah. that draw. You know, it's th- sometimes it's hard to take it all the way seriously. <laughs> he, he was very true detective-y well, at times in this film. I also thought it was really funny that you. Well, that's him. It's just him. That, that's the reality. Is like everything is just sort of like life is just like going it's nuts. I don't know. It's going nuts. It's going nuts. Life uh, is going nuts. The, all right, all right, all right. I just loved how like at one point you turned to me and you were like. Everybody is in this movie. That's <laughs> right. For Grace. I, I like, for, what, like what are all these guys doing and in this? And like time, Casey Affleck. Yeah, and then Casey. and then I almost took out my phone to film you when Matt Damon's reveal was coming. Because I was like, everybody is and in I this movie. And I remember that he was in it, but I yeah. completely forgot. And so, you know, by and this is like well Jessica into the Chastain film. And, I would have loved Anne for Hathaway you to actually film that because uh, yeah. well I'll, it was actually less of a reaction than i hoped for oh really so i think by that point i was so just like mm-hmm. yeah i also didn't want like to take out my phone and start filming you <laughs> and you'd be, be like, like what? what and then and, and then the moment happens <laughs> yeah i think this was do you want to say how many thumbs up you give this movie uh, i don't think i need to give thumbs either up or down yeah it happened. The thumbs were neither up I, nor down. I'm, I'm glad that I saw this movie. Yes. Me, I, th- I think it's a lot That's of, what I will say. I'm glad it exists. See you next week. Peace.